0: piece of persistence listeners. This week we have a very special treat for you, but first, a quick announcement. We need to take a brief pause to search for more guests, and I need your help. So, close your eyes for a moment. Take a deep breath and then exhale. Now, take a minute to imagine your favorite people in life. Who do you know who seems to have a light around them at all times? They're happy, they're satisfied with life and they know how to succeed at what they want to accomplish. Do you have someone in mind? If not, give it some time and see if someone comes to mind. If you do now, great. Open your eyes. Pull up our website at peaceofpersistence.com about and pause this episode to nominate your friend for our show. If you'd rather introduce us to them, just send them over to peaceofpersistence.com slash about, and they can find out more about us and nominate themselves. That's peaceofpersistence.com slash about. Okay, thanks for doing that. As I mentioned, we need to take a brief pause to search for more guests, and we'll return later in February. In the meantime, for today... Enjoy this rebroadcast of a previous episode of The Peace of Persistence with author, educator, environmentalist, and co-founder of 350.org, Bill McKibben. Just this January in 2018, we've had a 30% tariff added to imported solar panels in the U.S., terrible mudslides in California, and bigger, faster avalanches throughout the world. Climate change is a real concern, and Bill gives us some great perspectives about it and strategies to address it in this interview. So without further ado, I bring you Bill McKibben. Obviously, in our brief interview, we can't address all of the fears or doubts people have about global warming. But I've literally seen you tweet up a storm. <laughs> Can you sum up why you organize and educate for those of us who don't know, don't believe, or feel confused? What's the problem?
1: Well, uh, you know, climate change is the greatest problem human beings have ever run up against. Uh, I wrote the first book about it 25 years ago now, and the um. The truth is that the science has gotten much darker than we thought even then. We would not have expected by this point that the Arctic would already have melted or that seawater would be 30% more acidic than it was before. Those kind of changes and the ongoing drought and flood and everything else we see are, are remarkable reminders of just how quickly we need to go to work. So we use all the tools we got, um, including Twitter, uh, you know, some days we go on Twitter and some days we go to jail.
0: <laughs> you know, it's it's amazing to me how you do everything you do. And you say in your book, Earth, that your only fear is that the reality that's increasingly evident in the world around us will be for some an excuse to give up. Obviously, you haven't. Um, and you say that we need just the opposite, which is increased engagement. What What can we do?
1: Well, the problem with climate change always is that it seems too large for any of us to have any individual impact. And in a sense, that's quite true, though one should change one's light bulbs. um, It's also true that that's not going to stop climate change. At this point, given the short window of time that we have to get anything done, we need to grapple with the fact that it's a systemic problem. That the power of the fossil fuel industry is so great, it's financial power, that it's been able to override common sense solutions like putting a price on carbon. That means we need to organize. We need to join together. We need not to be individuals. We need to be uh, a a movement. And, you know, over the last five years, I think at 350.org, we've shown that that movement can start to rise uh, all over the world. Uh, It's not yet strong enough to defeat the fossil fuel industry but it's getting stronger. Uh, We see good signs. So far we've held off this Keystone pipeline from the tar sands of Canada for almost two years. We have 380 college campuses now where students are demanding divestment from fossil fuel stocks, uh, something that's spreading to city governments, to churches and synagogues. Uh, 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 It's an inspiring movement to watch. Uh, with young people in the lead, but everybody else right behind. So uh, I don't—I'm no um, pie-eyed optimist. Uh, you know, the book I wrote about all this 25 years ago was called *The End of Nature*. You know, so I'm—I'm uh, I'm realist about it. But I am very, very pleased to see the way that this movement is picking up steam.
0: It's—you know—it's fitting that we're having a Skype interview instead of wasting carbon trying to visit each other in New York or Vermont, but. You and you did say that the internet may be precisely the tool we need—that it's come along just at the right time to make our evolution bearable. But you also admit that it'll take a few generations for a slower life to feel entirely comfortable. How do you? What do you say to someone who longs to go to New Zealand or even space someday? You know that that's you know something that's becoming accessible. And for people like you who travel to commute and talk and work, uh, you speak at churches you. and.
1: I mean, in my case, it's easy because I got to travel a lot already and I travel now far more than I want. Um, And I would relish the chance to stay at home Um, um, uh, more than I can even begin to tell you. Um, That said, uh, travel is important uh, and it's good for young people particularly to get out and see the world a little bit. Um, especially to see parts of the world where people are doing things different ways. One of the, um, one of the uh, burdens that Americans operate under is the notion that we've figured out the right way to do absolutely everything on earth and everybody else should just do what we do. And actually, people in many other parts of the world have figured out many other interesting things to do. I mean, once you go to Europe, and see what an actual train network looks like. Uh, it's embarrassing to come back to these shores and and see what kind of railroads we have. Um, once you get uh, uh, to parts of the world that are taking renewable energy seriously, I mean, when you go to China, 25 percent of Chinese get their hot water off solar panels on the roof. In this country, that number is well under one percent uh... and most of that goes for swimming pools um, um, you know uh... people in lots of places are doing lots of interesting things and if you're gonna travel it's things like that to to go look at and bring home uh... other travel happily we can increasingly do you know with the mouse or the touchscreen uh... you can do a thousand google searches for the energy it takes to drive a mile so it's good that we have this new tool Uh, uh, that allows us to be deeply connected in a way that others of previous times couldn't with the world around us and yet not destroying it.
0: Wow! Yeah, and you talk a lot about community and about how to reach out on a global but also local scale especially in your book Earth spelled with an extra A, but I'm curious what's our best chance as individuals who want to pursue our dreams but not at the price of our future?
1: Well, I mean, I I think we're in much better shape to do that than we ever have been before. One of the things about the internet that's really interesting is it's completely possible to imagine living a mostly local life, to, you know, shopping at the farmer's market and knowing your neighbors and being in a strong working community. um, um, And at the same time, not having to suffer what every other generation of local. Uh, residents has had to suffer the kind of parochialism and closed inness that comes with only being in one place. The Internet is like a window constantly open on the larger world around us so a kind of fresh breeze can keep blowing in and that's a very new thing. Um, I'm, In a sense I'm happy that I'm old enough to remember the time before the Internet because I have more of a sense of the contrast. There are things I miss from that time like the hours of the day that I spend answering email, um, but um, there are a lot of benefits that come with it, too, uh, in terms of that connectedness. Wow.
0: You know, you're very optimistic for someone fighting such an uphill battle, and I can't even imagine you said you've been to prison probably more times than you can count, and uh, you really are fighting one of the strongest battles of the century, or actually maybe of even all of history ever. How do you keep going? How do you stay optimistic?
1: There are days when I'm pessimistic. Um, You know, the spring was tough. The atmospheric concentration of carbon went past 400 parts per million for the first time in 5 million years, for the first time that is in the history of the human species. Um, That's a sobering kind of thing. Uh, The only good news to hold up against it is that this movement is also growing very, very fast. It's a race. It's a race whether or not we can get a movement big enough, fast enough before the fossil fuel industry pumps so much coal and oil and gas out of the ground that they do us all in. That's what the race is about. And I don't know who's going to win, but I'm uh, at least happy that we're actually racing the race, that we're in the fight now.
0: So you're, you're fighting expansion with expansion.
1: Mm, exactly. Uh, we're doing our best to uh, grow, but in a particular way. When we set up 350.org, for instance, one of the things we wanted to do was uh, enable people to take meaningful global action where they were. So instead of telling everybody to march on Washington, uh, we've had these days of action where we've had, Well, I think the biggest was 5,200 separate demonstrations in 181 countries at the same time. Uh, Everybody was close to home, but everybody was engaged globally, and it was pretty beautiful to watch. You can see, we have, I think, 40,000 pictures in the Flickr account. So uh, when I get down, I go look at them, and just those beautiful images. And the thing that I always notice is most of them are coming from places where people haven't actually caused this problem, and yet they're willing to help be part of the solution and to me that's very moving and very motivating
0: it's amazing well thank you for giving us an opportunity to connect and do something about this major issue that's going to affect all of us so i really Great. appreciate you being here
1: thank you for your work
0: thank you you too thank you so much for joining us today on the piece of persistence I hope you enjoyed that episode with Bill McKibben as much as I did. I'm just so grateful for Bill and all of the work that he's tirelessly doing on all of our behalfs to make the world a better place. So if you're interested in the work he continues to do, or if you want to get involved yourself, please check out 350.org, or you can check out his newest book, Oil and Honey, The Education of an Unlikely Activist.